welcome to the Butcher and Baru. This is not a live recording like the last few that we've done, but we are in person together, which doesn't happen often. Yes, this is fun. I am the Butcher Boy Joe Shasky. We are at the top of, I guess it's Russian Hill or is this Knob Hill over here? Where I think it's Russian Hill. I love it. Absolutely beautiful. Stunning. We're house sitting. We're house sitting together. Nah, that you're making it sound like it is, and I'm not. House <laughs> I'm not. House I'm visiting, and it's beautiful. Hey, um, I want to talk sports this week, man. Very big sports week. I know it's kind of what this podcast is all about. I think we should do that. I do too. Let's start with the Giants. Yeah. Okay. So I want to talk about Madison Bumgarner, and the reason being is because I was one of the few people that was very openly um, questioning why even bring the guy back this year. And he's had, I think, four or five starts now, and he's looked progressively better in each start. He's beaten the Dodgers, or should have beaten the Dodgers, and then just beat the world champion Cubs. And I know they're kind of a shell of themselves, but damn, Bumgarner looks good. Did you catch any of them the last few times? Well, yeah, and they and they took two or three from the Cubs. Shocking. They really didn't look that bad the last yeah. the last few games, and I think. I almost want to say the concerning part of that is we've we've talked about this before on the show, but you know it's like with the, we use the analogy: it's when you got that guy in your pickup basketball team, and he takes that three he shouldn't take, and he hits it, and suddenly, suddenly he's got this false sense of that that's a good shot. Yeah. You should keep taking that shot, and I think that's my almost my concern with the fact that the Giants are actually playing some pretty decent ball as of late. Is suddenly you know you start to make the excuses well. You know, if we had, if you know, if the, if we hadn't had all these injuries and Jarrett Parker hadn't hadn't been, you know, hurt and he's looking pretty good in left field yeah. and uh, Bumgarner coming back now, they have an A, so things are starting to come together. And I, I just feel like that's my concern sometimes is things start to look better in you know late August, early September, even though they looked absolutely atrocious for the first four or five months of the season. Suddenly, it's like you know maybe we like do a little patchwork here, a little patchwork there, which is. Basically, what I felt like they did in the offseason. I felt mm -hmm. like this was an offseason where there was basically patchwork. Yeah. You know, you've got a massive flood that's heading out the back of the house, and you're in the front of the house trying to patch up a few little holes and yep. not even paying attention to where the real hole is. No, you're right. And Jared Parker. So, like, he's, I think he's a great example of let's not be a prisoner of the moment. Let's remember that this is a guy who is a AAA player, and he's had a great three or four game stretch. That's fantastic. That's awesome. He hasn't put together two full weeks in the major leagues in his entire career. He's, what, 27? Uh, them coming into this season, banking on Parker staying healthy, Mac Williamson staying healthy, is, is the, part of the reason that they're in the situation they're in right now. And I just I see all the, the little minor successes like Pence, who's been really hot the last couple of days. To me, this is all a mirage. And if I am the front office of the Giants and, and the fan base – I am not satisfied with what I'm seeing currently. I, I couldn't agree with you more. And I think that there's a couple points that need to be brought up. Yeah. One is, is something that I thought about the other day that just blows me away. So the Giants have been, over the last 17 years, mm -hmm. since they've been in, in Pac-Bell slash whatever it was in between Pac-Bell and AT&T. SBC, AT SBC yeah, for a SBC. short period, and then AT&T. They've only won the division, I think, three times. I think it was... Oh three, two thousand. Okay, two thousand three. I thought it was wild card in two thousand. I could be wrong. No, no. In two thousand, they had the best record in Major League Baseball. Okay, okay. They, and then they lost to the Mets. Yeah, in the, the Benioff Bionic. That's what it was. The the but they had, okay. I, that, if I remember correctly, right. they either had a hundred wins or very close. The JT to it. Snow home yeah, run. The, yeah, the inaugural year of. Uh, I remember that game because JT Snow had that crazy homer, and then it's yep. like you go, you go get a drink, you come back, and and uh, Daryl Hamilton is already Darryl. seen. 
Hamilton. My memories come back. Daryl Hamilton ruins it with a solo homer in the bottom of the inning. God but rest his soul. We, I, dig- I digress. But they so they won the division that year. They win the division in 03. Yep. Wire to wire division Wire to teams. wire and then the Marlins. Yep. And Pudge. Mm-hmm. And Juan Pierre. Yeah. And then they win the division again in two, not again until 2012. So there's a nine-year gap. No, I think they won it in 2010. No, they didn't. They were a wild card. Really? In 2010. Were- wait. They beat the Padres on the final game of the you season. You know what? I actually think you're right. You're right there. Because I was thinking that, for some reason, I was thinking that was for the wild card, but no, you, you're right. So still, even, even still, still. So that's, they, that's since 2000. Wow. In 17 years, yeah. they've won the division only four times, wow. which almost matches how many World Series rings they've won. <laughs> and the thing that I think is important to bring up is, yes, World Series rings are more important than division titles yeah. when it comes to what fans remember. Of course. And what's most important in general in sports. Yeah. But when you really want to look at how well a team is consistently performing, I yeah. think division titles are really where you want to look. No doubt. And, you know, it's it's just like, it's not the same in Europe as it is here, but in European soccer. When, they, when they're looking at league championships, it's the team with the best record at the end of the year. That's just how they decide it. And they don't do that here. But the reason I bring that up is because you look at the stretch the Dodgers have had over the last four or five years, and it's great that the Giants have won three World Series titles, but to me... Honestly, it was just incredible luck. You look at 2010 and that that Brooks Conrad muffed mm-hmm. a ground ball. I think it was game game four in Atlanta, or was it game three or game four? Whatever game it was, it was no, it was game four because the Giants would have been eliminated. If, yeah, it was a, a game, Sunday afternoon game. We were playing the Philadelphia Eagles at Candlestick yeah, yeah, at the same yeah. time. So they would have been they would have been eliminated if they lost that game. Yep. And so their one muffed infield play away from being eliminated that year Mm -hmm. in 2012 they're down 2-0 to the reds and then they're down 3-1 to the cardinals Mm -hmm. they one little play goes a different way and they lose that year and then in 2016 i mean sorry in 2014 they had absolutely no business winning i mean they literally didn't have another pitcher besides madison bumgarner in game six he had to win three of the four world series games yeah in game six and game seven the starting pitchers were PV and Hudson, and they recorded six outs. Their arms were literally falling off. Yeah. So I don't, you know, I don't want to be someone that just comes in and just shits on everything the Giants have accomplished. But I feel like at some point, someone's just got to like put some true serum out there and just mm. say what it is. And I don't really think the Giants have put together that many teams that were deserving of of winning anything. You know. Well, I, I would say my counter argument to you would be that the 2010 team, what made them special, not only were they castoffs, they did have elite pitching. They had elite bullpen. They had elite starting staff. The 2012 team, well, to you, me, was the most complete team yeah. of the three that have won the World Series. I, I agree with you there. Mm-hmm. But the thing that always pissed me off so much is ever since I was like mid-2008, definitely in 2009, mm-hmm. I was like, these we're going to waste all these incredible pitchers yeah, yeah. because they never are going to surround them with the proper bats. No, you're and right. And I feel like every time they won, they got so lucky winning, they felt like they didn't need anything more than the current recipe they're mm-hmm. using. And, I mean, they frankly probably could have won the World Series last year if they didn't have, like, some stuff finally go the, their, the way it hadn't yeah. been going against the Cubs. Yeah. And But I think but it's, going to, it's masking... That- I was going to say, that's that elite bullpen not being available yeah. last year. That's yeah. the difference. Yeah. But see, what my point that I'm getting at is I think it's just masking a huge issue they haven't addressed literally since they signed Barry Bonds. No, When I is the last time the Giants signed an elite hitter since Barry Bonds? I would say the best hitter that they've signed off the free agent wire, and, and maybe best two or three hitters, would be Melky Cabrera had the best yeah. six or seven, eight-month okay. uh, run I've ever seen. 
I would say Moises Alou had a really damn good year. This is going back, I think, 2004, 2005. Did they, did they sign Moises Alou or trade for it? I think he was a free agent, okay. and his dad was the coach. Okay. And then the other guy that I would throw in there, just because you have to give him love for that one season. Well, there's two guys. One is Juan Uribe. I believe we didn't trade for him. I thought we signed him. The other guy is Aubrey Huff. And again, these yeah, are one-year okay, wonders. Okay, but these are one-year wonders. This is the thing, though. Like you say, someone like an Aubrey Huff. I'm talking about a big. Time no, I know, act. but I'm, that guy just had I'm a one. Good I'm talking year. about a guy like Cespedes. I'm saying like going no out question. and getting a guy, no question. like acquiring a Josh Donaldson, mm-hmm. acquiring someone who actually is someone to get excited about going to the ballpark to see. And it just it kind of jogged my memory as I was seeing you know this whole 10 year anniversary yeah. of Barry Bonds breaking the home run record. Yeah, and. I was. It, it just brought me back to this time where the Giants were competitive then, mm-hmm. but it was just every time Barry got up to the plate for like this two to three year stretch, you were like, "Oh my God, what's going to happen it, now?" It was must see, and it was the same thing as the way it is with Steph right now. Every yeah. time he goes in the court, with what is he going to do tonight? Was Lincecum that way for you? Because for me, I never, ever, ever missed a Lincecum pitch. There was a period no, no, it, where I missed none of his play. None. I, of I his think pitches. I think that's a valid point, especially when it was around 2010, what he did yeah. in the Braves that time. Mm-hmm. But there's still something oh, a little Barry's different between level. between hitting and pitching. No doubt. And no. I mean, you could even say with Bumgarner in the playoffs. I mean, that's that's yeah on a similar level. But it's there's just something unique in baseball when you have someone who you have no idea how far or where he's going to hit it on every play. It makes a sport that can get pretty dull yeah. for a few months of the year into stuff that can't miss TV. Well, what's interesting is you brought up the 2003 Giants, and the team that they went up against in the playoffs was the Florida Marlins. And one of the guys I think of who's one of the premier right-handed hitters since 2003, Miguel Cabrera. How was he acquired by the Detroit Tigers? Via a big trade. Okay, I look at the Dodgers. Some of their guys were acquired via big trades, the Adrian Gonzalez trade. That's really helped them out over the last few years. The Jeff Kent trade mm-hmm. before that. So even if you can't sign a guy via free agency, go out and get a guy who's under control. Now, some would argue, hey, that's what Hunter Pence was. But to me, Hunter was never a marquee, top-of-the-line player like a Gonzalez, like Kent was. I, think now, it, I know when yeah. we got him, he wasn't that way. It was a trade that worked out well. But, I mean, I, you know, you see the rumors come up for, like, a Giancarlo Stanton. That's who I want. Contract. It's like, I don't care what you have to do. Yeah. Get someone in there who – it just – it blows my mind. I was thinking about this today, the fact that for Madison Bumgarner being one of the most heralded, successful pitchers in postseason history, I think it's a shame, literally – the most one of the most shameful things we've seen in baseball in a long time that he's only even had the opportunity to pitch in the playoffs four times. Yeah, you've seen the Derek Jeter stat. Derek Jeter went to the playoffs 16 out of 20 years. And it's incredible. That's when I talk about maximizing the window, that's maximizing the window. They stopped winning championships. Who'd they bring in? Giambi. You know, they 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 wanted to reload who'd they bring in after Boone? They bring in Alex Rodriguez. Exactly. It's it's maximizing that window. And yes, Bumgarners look great coming yeah. back from injury, and hopefully we have a few more years of him in, in his dominant form. Yeah. But making the playoffs every other year is not gonna cut it when you have a once in a generation yeah. clutch pitcher that you're, you're wasting. Every time yeah. you make the playoffs, you're wasting the fa- – this guy literally won you a World Series without having a single other quality pitcher on your roster at that point in time. And you bring up Bumgarner, and I, and I understand all that. But what about Posey? I mean, Posey – I'm looking at Posey's career numbers, and I'm saying to myself, he's not even at 100 career homers yet. Like, that's crazy. Like, a guy who we all deem, most Giants fans are like, this is a first ballot Hall of Famer. I don't know if necessarily he is to the rest of the country, but we all know how much he means to us. 
Is this guy going to go until he's 32, 33 years old as the four hitter with no one around him? I mean, they seriously, brought, they brought Pablo Sandoval back off the trash heap. And this guy was batting 218, cut, paid out for the $90 million salary. And he comes in and he's batting fourth. I mean, that is a testament to how bad this and roster is. Look at Posey. You know, you talk about the fact that they've never surrounded any talent. They never put any talent around him in the batting order. Yeah. The year he wins MVP, who do they have Melky next to him? Melky Cabrera. Yep. You know, and yes, you know, Melky was on fire back in his, his, his yeah. roiding days of the Giants, but what, they haven't done anything no. since then to even support him in any way. No, they haven't. And it, I, I said it with that team when we had Andres Torres the year before and it didn't work out oh in 2011. God. And they brought in Angel Pagan, who was at the time a 30-year-old. They have not shored up center field defensively. Yes, the bat in left field is so obvious. And it really is. And we've talked about this. The bat in right field, the bat in the corner spots, whether it's third, whether it's shortstop. uh, Excuse me, first base. But to me, defensively in center field is where we give up so many runs. And conversely, nine times out of ten, that center fielder is... Typically, if he's not a power hitter, he's going to be a scrappy get-on-base speedster. They haven't had a well, scrappy get-on. Base- but that's what they based. I mean, uh, who's the guy who was just in town from the from the Diamondbacks? Well, oh, I love him. Pollock. A.J. Pollock. No, 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 no. I'm saying who was on the Giants. Who got two World Series rings. Oh, Gregor Blanco. I'm just saying he was even, you know, you take it for granted at the time. But as far as He was a great defensive goes, left yeah, fielder. Yeah, saying and center fielder. Yeah. And he gave us good, he gave us very good innings. But this is the problem is... I'm watching Gorky's, and Gorky's has played good as of late. You've showed me Gorky's, Gregor Blanco, uh, Andres Torres. How many times can we squeeze the lemon yeah. for these 4A ball players? Yeah. And and I, I go back to Jarrett Parker, and, and I get it. People are excited. They want to see a homegrown guy play there. But there's a reason Jarrett Parker has been in AAA for as long as he has. He is a Todd Linden type, a Dan Ortmeier, you know, Name your guy, John Bowker. How many outfielders have the Giants seen who drop bombs in AAA, come up to the big leagues, they look great for a day or two. I call them Cinderella players. They look great for a day or two and then turn into a pumpkin at midnight. When is the last homegrown Giants outfielder? Chili Davis, 1986. That's insane. It's crazy. 21 years. It's it's absolutely crazy. But we've talked about the outfield, and I agree. Here's my question to you, because me and my buddies have been talking about this. Second base, okay? Let's just say... I'm looking at the team. There is something intangible about Panda in the lineup in the clubhouse. The, the team does feed off him. I don't think it's a coincidence they have looked a lot more spry and had more life the last week. I, I do think Pence feeds off him. You have to have Pence next year for that $19 million. No one's going to take him. I get it. To me, second base is the position I'm looking to move someone, whether it's Arroyo or Panic. Can Arroyo shift over to second base? I don't know. He got hurt in the wrist. But the reason I bring that up is because you have so many left-handed bats in the lineup. Crawford and Panic are both right-handed fielding, left-handed hitting players. And in this lineup, I'm looking at Denard Spin, lefty-lefty, okay? Jared Parker's a lefty. You got Belt, who's a lefty. That's a lot of lefties. That's more than half your lineup. I need some right-handed pop. And so to me, I love Joe Panic. I like everything about him. I don't think I don't know what his ceiling is. I don't think he's reached it yet. But I think we have to move off of him and trade him. And the reason being is because you can get something back. And so I think that they have a decision to make this summer, or excuse me, this winter. What do you do with Joe Panic and Christian Arroyo? And I know that sounds and are like you, a Are you choose. totally writing off Nunez coming back? 
Yes, and I'll tell you why. Nunez is now tasting the good life in Boston. And once you're on a winner and you've been in that in that that clubhouse, after being in our clubhouse this year, how can you want to come back? That's the danger. You know, he was saying when he was leaving he wanted to come back, but you give someone a taste of something else and you never know. Well, and my question to you would be, how many times in 150 years of baseball has a guy who was traded at the deadline gone back to the team well, that he was on? I know Chapman, Chapman did. But I can't think of someone. I'm trying to Ricky think of Henderson in the early 90s, I believe, with the Never. Oakland A's. But Ricky was an A like four different times, and he was born and raised in Oakland. So, but I'm saying my, my point being is it's very rare. Wouldn't you agree? Very rare. And then they got a big dilemma with the the bullpen. Dyson was a great pickup, but what are you going to do with Melanson? Like the Melanson Jansen thing, they had an opportunity to get the closer for the Dodgers, Jansen, and they didn't. And they went after Melanson. And I didn't know a whole lot about Melanson. I was excited, optimistic. He looks like shit. <laughs> he's the shits. He's the shits. He's not a good teammate. The guy doesn't want to stretch with Wait, say, everyone. Say it again. He's the shits. No, say he looks like shit. He does look like shit. Okay. He does. He's looked like shit for us. And I, 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 they need to move him. They need to find a way to get rid of him. Brandon Belt. I mean, how are they going <laughs> to? They're going to have to pay a salary to go. I, I mean, he needs to change his scenery. I'm surprised they didn't try to move him to the Nationals before the deadline. But And then here's the big question with Brandon Belt. He was looking good. He was on pace for 30 home runs. And he goes and gets hurt again. Now, I understand it's an accident. I understand it's random. But similar to Eric Reed for the 49ers, these head injuries are real. They don't go away. They don't. So is he going to retire? I'm dead serious when I say this. Like, can he continue to play baseball? Because he's not even going to go on the trip with them this time. He got a concussion last year and got hit warming up, for crying out loud, which is totally random. But, like, I think it's a serious question to ask, is this guy coming back? Mike Matheny ended his career on concussions. There have been other players. John Olerud wore a helmet at first base. What do you think about Pablo at first? See, that's where I think we should do. I would move off of Belt. I would have traded Belt at the deadline. But I put uh, Pablo at first base. Because here's the other part about the the, the first base. You know you're going to have a large part of the Giants fan base just blow up on you. I don't really care. Fuck them. I'm sick of the belt people. I'm not, I really am. Like, I'm so sick of your but wars you're going, and you're, your you're going. You're going with the double. T- you're going get rid of belt and keep Pablo. Yes, I am. And the, I'll the, tell you The why. number one way to infuriate a large portion of the Giants fan base. If I had all my money right now, today, not tomorrow, not last year, not next week, today, if I had all my money and I had to bank on either Pablo or belt, I'm banking on Pablo all day to get a base hit over Brandon Belt. I am. And I don't care what the numbers tell me. I trust Pablo. I've seen him do it in clutch situations. And there's just something about the guy that he's better than his numbers. Conversely, I look at Belt's numbers. I watch him every day. And I think that his numbers are diluted. I really do. He is not He's not a guy I want to move forward with. I just think he's too niche. Here's the other part about the Pablo first base situation. You know that you're going to have to play Buster at first base X amount of games. So that diminishes the value of Brandon Belt because he really can't play anywhere else other than first. Pablo, at the very least, can play a little third base and can be your emergency catcher. Now, I think you have to bring back Todd Hundley. We're talking about backup catchers for Christ's sake. But you got to bring back well, Todd Hundley. And you, and you got to play Buster at first base more. Here, here's the other thing to uh, think about is, you know, they let's say you consider – to sunk cost, right? Mm-hmm. You blew the money on it. Yeah. Well, you didn't blow the money on Pablo. No. If Pablo, if Pablo can even salvage, like say sixty to seventy percent of who he used to be, and I know that's a large percentage yeah. of who he used to be, you're not paying him anything. So suddenly that sunk cost in belt, if you have to ship him somewhere else, suddenly starts to even out a bit. You know, maybe it's the same as having to pay. 
Pablo $10 million a year and Belt $10 million a year, you know? But they've been eating money the last seven years. The Rowan deal, the Miguel Tejada deal, the Aubrey Huff deal, the, uh, I mean, just go down the line. The Matt Cain deal, the Tim Lincecum deals, the PVN Hudson deals uh, down the stretch. Think of how much money this organization has literally burned. So to me, I don't want to hear about the money. You're making money hand over fist, pay expend uh, expand the, the the salaries if you have to to bring guys in you will make it on the back end if you make the playoffs and i know we're that's giants heavy talk i get it and here's the here's the final caveat to the giants and this is where i'm really worried i think there's still major questions about the starting rotation love Cueto, love Bumgarner. samarja has pitched better than his numbers but he's due a lot of money he's a fourth starter matt moore has been awful all season. There's been no saving him. Since that great game he pitched last Incredible year against game. the Cubs, he's done nothing. And then Ty Block I really like. But you still have two gigantic question marks in that starting rotation. And suddenly the you know the area of the farm system that used to be so strong that used to just keep putting starters in the major leagues has suddenly gone bare. And when you contrast that with the Dodgers and you're like – not only do they have the high payroll, but they're bringing up the Bellingers. They're bringing up the, you know, Corey Seegers. They're bringing up all these guys. Who's the guy who got the game-winning hit against the Giants in his first major league at bat? Some dude I'd never even heard of. It's incredible. And I, I wouldn't say it's as, I wouldn't say it's exactly the same as the NBA with the Warriors, where every other team's got to figure out how we're going to beat this team that's in our league. Because I think, I feel like with basketball, at least it's a little more of a given who's going to be in yes, the finals than yes, the baseball playoffs. Yes, like, yes. There's no guarantee the Dodgers are going to be in the World Series this year. Well, they but haven't still, won us series. But it's still something the Giants are going to have to consider for probably the next five to ten years yes. with how young those players in the Dodgers are, how much money the Dodgers have to spend, and mm -hmm. how strategic and, and intelligent that front office has been. No doubt is you're going to have to do a lot to win the division. Yeah, they're behind the eight ball. And you look at Colorado. I like Colorado's lineup. I like Arizona. I think Arizona has outperformed what their roster is. But Pollock and Goldschmidt, I mean, that's a really good combination right there. A speedster, and then you got a dude who's basically an MVP candidate in Goldschmidt who gets to play in a hitter-friendly division uh, in a hitter-friendly park every day. I, I got major questions about the Giants. you know, And then their top prospect, Christian Arroyo, you didn't break camp with him. This is this is one of the fucking big things that pisses me off about Bobby Evans. You didn't break camp with him so that Aaron Hill could play, who was batting 150 all year. Gillespie, who was batting 150 all year. And I get it. Gillespie was the hero from the postseason. You got to roll him back. But you don't break camp with Christian Arroyo. You bring him up. He has really good at-bats. His at-bats are better than his numbers. You bring him down, he gets hurt in the minor leagues. To me, that's almost a fireable offense. It, it, it seriously is. The way that they have played the roster all season. They've been a step short or a, a move late all season. And then, again, we're watching an 80 and 33 Dodger team, and we're having the worst season of any Giants franchise or any Giants season, excuse me, since World War II. So it's just it's really hard to swallow. It's still hard to believe this whole even-odd thing is still continuing. We're, we're, we've almost hit a decade of this. This started yeah. in 2010. I guess you could even – I mean, yeah, 2010 was the first year they made the playoffs in a long time. And we're about to be in 2018, still on this even odd. It's like you've won the World Series three times, yet you haven't made the playoffs two years in a row since 2002, 2003. It's kind of crazy. Think it, about that. It's crazy. For a team, even the Warriors, 
who yeah. didn't make the playoffs for what, 15 years yeah. or something like that, yeah. have made the playoffs consecutive years. Right. The Sharks have made the playoffs every year for yeah. what, 15? Like, they, I think yeah. they missed it once in the last 15 years. The Niners made and, it for three straight years. Yeah, and I mean, the Niners have ha- had some pretty bad times too, but even they made the yeah. playoffs for three straight years. Yeah. The Giants have not made the playoffs for two straight years since 2002. 2003. That's kind of cra- I, I, crazy. Think about even, that. Yeah, I know. They, it's crazy. They went on a drought from 2004 to 2009. They didn't make the playoffs once. Those years were basically just garbage with Barry Bonds going after a home run chase. So let me ask you, if you, as of today, what's going to happen next year? Like, what do you foresee in the Giants' future next year? I want to. I'm, I'm telling you, what I want to see, this is not an overreaction based yeah. on this year. This is, this is watching this over a long period of time. Deteriorate. I want to see them build a foundation mm-hmm. rather than patching together bullshit. I, I feel like every offseason, they just patch together. And I, don't get me wrong, those three World Series runs were fucking incredible. That, that, but you but can, both can be true. But they those were patched together. Yeah. It's always... It's it's always this guy. Let's hopefully this will work. Let's yeah. just you know let's let's patch it up again and hopefully the tire doesn't blow when we're on this long road trip. You yeah. know if you think about the baseball season as a drive from let's say L.A. to San Francisco or something like that, I feel like the Giants keep putting on used tires, yep. slapping on patches, trying to get there the whole way instead of just making sure they have a vehicle that can actually do it without breaking down. And the vehicle they're in is the Posey Bumgarner Ferrari, and they keep putting on. Crappy Costco tires yeah. on this on this. You thing. got plenty of money. Yeah. You're wasting all your money on six sets of tires for a road trip instead of one set of really good tires. Personally, and I, people think that I'm I'm being way too too harsh. I want to see Brian Sabian and Bobby Evans move away from from the organization. And it's not like I don't appreciate or I'm not grateful for every championship. I cherish every championship, but I do think that it's fair at a certain point, you need a new set of eyes to look at this entire thing. And even Bill Walsh, even Jimmy Johnson, it's all the greats. At some point, enough was enough, and the game kind of slowly passed them by. And I feel like, I think this last couple seasons has proven to me, the game is starting to pass by Brian Sabian and Bobby Evans. And many people are going to jump me and come down my throat on this, but I see a roster that looks slow, unathletic, with no pop, and the league has transitioned. We became the Memphis Grizzlies of baseball overnight. Let's even take it a step further. What area of the organization is strong? Okay? I'd say the head coach, the, the, gen, the, 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 the bench coach, as in Bruce Bochy. That, that's fine, but what I'm saying is, from an international perspective, we haven't. when's Nothing. the last time they brought anyone in Nothing. who had flair or anything, what, Pablo? Yeah, and they've signed a couple of... Of Dominican. Well, I don't guys care if they've they signed. Trade. I'm saying guys that are that have made it up Nothing. here. Yeah, Pablo. So, so from an international perspective, I'm not I'm yeah. not seeing it. I don't care who they've signed. I'm yeah. saying that have actually come to fruition. And there's a guy coming there's, out this year, Shawnee Otana. I don't know if you heard, but the Dodgers picking up you, Darvish. Apparently, now they're the front runner for this two way amazing Japanese star, which is what I wanted to do. And and you know, you look at the bullpen. It doesn't seem like there's a lot of help there. No. There, no. There's no big bats. We just talked about how they haven't had a, an, a legit outfielder come through the system since Chili Davis. Yeah. And the starting pitching, you know, since Bumgarner, I mean, there was Zach Wheeler who they traded away. Who's, mm-hmm. You know, he's had arm problems. But the last, you know, so-called real, like, prospect that made yeah. the leagues was Zach Wheeler. Yeah, you're right. And what what have we seen since then? We've, we've heard names. They we signed hear- Johnny Cueto, and he had a great... 2016. Yeah, but, but, I'm talking, Great, but I'm talking about coming up through the farm oh, system. Oh, I agree. So I'm saying, I'm saying it seems like the farm system's broken. They're I not agree. doing anything yep. internationally. Yep. 
And as far as evaluating talent on the free agent front, they've made a few. I would say last year, like we we were happy with the Cueto and and Shark signings. At and, least and, last and year. The, you know? And to be fair, the Matt Moore trade for Matt Duffy, as bad as Matt Moore has been, he's going to eat up 200 innings, and Duffy hasn't played. So that was a good trade for the Giants. The 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 only thing that that worries me is Tyler Beatty, your top prospect pitcher. He's hurt. Kyle Crick. I don't know if he'll ever be a closer, uh, like a legitimate closer, but he looks like a decent bullpen arm. That's about it. Stratton is a nothing. Uh, what's the other guy they brought? Suarez, get out of here. I like Ty Block. He's probably a four or five, but that's okay. Not everyone can be a one or a two. But this team has so many holes. They've got so many holes. I don't know what happened to Osich. I don't know what happened to Derek Law this year. Derek Law was a guy who I thought was going to be a great setup man. Since the arm injury late last season, he's been nothing. They got rid of Contos, thank God. They finally and Contos tried hard. I get it, but <laughs> I'm, I don't want to see Strickland. I don't want to see Strickland anymore. I'm God. sick of Strickland. Got that Washington road trip yeah, I, going up. Fuck him. You know, trade his ass to Washington. Him and Bryce can figure it out. Let I want to change topics. Yeah, I think I'm, I'm negative. That's the most out. Giants we've talked in a while. It is, but I'm I'm, I'm like Giants out, and I love my team. I want to see him get better. I want to talk about the 49ers because it's kind of like two teams going in opposite directions. I want to, I want to stop right there. Why? Because while I'm excited yeah. that the Niners have another fresh start, uh-huh. and this is definitely the most optimistic I think we've been as fans in a long time, mm-hmm. I still don't think that means anything. So what, 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 what are you you're trying to poo-poo all the optimism? Is that what yeah, you're trying? Yeah, I'm trying to take a shit on you. Okay, well <laughs> – Look, I kind of feel you. Look, I've told people, you know, temper back these expectations. I had a couple buddies. One of my buddies, Marty, sent me a, a message. They're going to go to the playoffs, bro. Bro, they won two games last Let me, year. This, this is the way I see it. So, I don't know if you have this experience, but when I have a really, really good team. Yeah. The Niners with Harbaugh. Yeah. The Warriors right now. Once that team fades and something happens and they can no longer compete, it's really hard for me to watch that sport for the next few years. I can't just watch another couple teams, mm-hmm. a random game, mm-hmm. and find interest. Mm-hmm. I'm in so much pain that my team's not competing. Mm-hmm. I just think, what's the point? Yeah, I understand After that. a few years fade, mm-hmm. you, start to re- you start to get used to your team sucking again, mm-hmm. and you can start enjoying watching other games because it's all you have. So for, you know, for five, ten years, when the Niners sucked, yeah. I was totally engaged in every other game of the Sunday because the Niners sucked. What was, yeah. what was the point in that? Yeah. But the year or two after Harbaugh, I could barely watch yeah. because they didn't. So my point, my long-winded point mm-hmm. about this is that I feel like Niner fans have now gotten used to sucking again. Yes, they've re, they've 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 re-educated themselves on on what it's like to be have a shitty team. Mm-hmm. Therefore, they'll any little glimmer of positive anything coming from the team is suddenly a win. So that's all I'm saying about tempering the way we're talking right now is that we have gotten so used to shit. The second it's our this, this bathroom isn't over flooded with clogged shit, we're excited. And just remember, all I want to say is just remember where this team was, remember the foundation of this team, and just the fact that we have two guys that are getting along and it seems like things are going in the right direction does not excuse the bullshit that has occurred over the last five years. I think that's fair. But what if it is generally onto something good? Like what if they actually are, you know, what what if they're onto something here? What if Kyle Shanahan I'm not saying he's going to be the next Bill Walsh, but let's just say, what if he's the next Steve Mariucci? You know, what if he brings in a positive outlook, optimism, we win some games, we start heading in the right directions. Like for me, five or six wins is a reasonable amount. I will be ecstatic with five or six wins. And I, maybe I'm, you know, too, look, they, they've done some really nice things, right? They, they've done some nice things. I honestly think that we 
we're all jumping the gun. This team is at least a year, two years away. I got to see a legitimate situation at quarterback. But here's what I predict this year. I think they're going to look really good early on because of the schedule, because of the matchups. The Rams aren't that good. I think and there's don't. not going to be very much film on them. No, but Brian Hoyer has proven in small intervals early in the season he can look good. So even if they go two and four, one and three early on, there's going to be a lot of optimism. But at some point, Brian Hoyer will get hurt because he always gets hurt. Well, that's so what you're saying right now is actually what I was going to ask you about. Because my biggest question mark yeah. right now is the offensive line. Okay. I like the offensive line. Okay. Uh, so tell, tell me why. Sell me, sell me right now okay. on why, as a Niners fan, I should feel good yeah. about the offensive Trent line. Trent Brown at right tackle is a really good player. He's an up and coming. I, I thought beast. I was reading that he'd been getting beat a lot in practice. Was that early? Is I think our D line's really good. I think our D-line's really good. And I know you kind of roll your eyes at me, but no, they've no, invested no. a I lot mean, of money. D- I feel good about the D-line. Yeah, they've invested a lot so, of I mean, money three, on the D-line. Three first-round top it, 10 it, picks in the last three years. I've just, plus I, Mitchell and free agency? I, I'm more concerned. The reason, so so I want to hear you sell yeah. me on the offensive line, but the reason that I'm concerned yeah. is because when you look at why, I think a big reason why those Harbaugh teams were so successful, it was, it was an overpowering defense mm-hmm. and an overpowering offensive line. Agreed. And they spent two high first-round picks in one draft on EU Potty and Anthony Davis. Mm-hmm. And if I'm not mistaken, I don't think we've drafted an offensive lineman. In, oh, we did. I guess we drafted Joshua Garnett in the end of the first yeah. round. So, but that, that's where I guess my concern is. I don't feel like we've invested yeah. that much in the offensive line. And I think that's a fair critique. But you got Joe Staley. Joe Staley... Love him, hate him. The guy is a borderline Hall of Famer. He's a 49er Ring of Honor guy. That's your left tackle. On the other side, like I said, I brought up Trent Brown. One of the big, the one of the quiet missing links over the last few seasons was the Anthony Davis, is he going to play, is he not going to play? That's a fair point. And, and when the Niners were really good, Anthony Davis was really good. And so you had two bookend tackles that could really slow down the pass rush. And in this division where you had got Clias Campbell, he's no longer in Arizona, but you had him down there. The Rams obviously have a really good front, and Seattle has a good front. That's going to slow them down. In the middle, I still have questions about the center position, and I think that there are valid questions. Kilgore has never been healthy. Uh, they just released Zuda, who they traded for. I like Zane Beatles. Garnett is having knee surgery. So those three spots to me, I am – I, I'm 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 nervous. I am nervous. And when you already have these type of injury question marks yes. this early on, it doesn't bode well for you know a month into the season, early October, no when the doubt. injuries start to, to adding up. No doubt. And, but this is why you paid Kyle Shanahan all that money. And part of what made his dad great was they didn't draft high linemen. They didn't draft guys in Washington. They didn't draft guys in Denver. I know Atlanta hasn't invested in in those high first round picks on their offensive line. This is why you pay that guy all that money. His schemes, his designs, his plays, these are supposed to maximize the little bit of talent you have. So that's, that's to me, that's why you're paying this guy a six-year deal is so that he could scheme things up. And I think with the two bookend tackles, I think some good things can happen. Here's the other part. They just signed the top-rated fullback in all the league by every metric, PFF, Madden, if you want to go off the video game ratings. But the guy they picked up from Baltimore is a head pounder. And when this team was good, they had uh, Tom Raffman. They had William Floyd. And more recently, uh, they had my boy um, Bruce. Bruce Miller, who was a good player before he went off the deep end. So to me, getting back to the before, fullback. And before Chip Kelly decided he didn't need a fullback. Which is fucking moronic. If I gave him Mike Allstott in his prime, he couldn't do anything with him. I mean, think about that. That's how limited he was as a coach. 
But I, I actually like the. But then you line. go back a year ago, and you got the two of us just stoked yeah. on that. Was I think that was the other reason I was saying to temper expectations. It was more. Uh, I was more talking to us rather than so the people listening. I was so because wrong. the two of us just we get to, you know we we try to go for the optimistic approach. Yeah. And then we just have to eat our words. Well, I've been so I'm so sick of being angry with the team. Honestly, like you were talking about loving the team. Like I do love the team. So I'm so sick of the negativity. Here's the other thing about that, real quick on the line, and not to get too inside it. I have a feeling they're gonna run a lot of two tight end sets. They got they're gonna get rid of Vance. Let's be honest. Vance can't block, Vance can't catch. Stone hands. They, they're, they're gonna get rid of him. Uh Hikatui or whatever the heck his name is, and Kittle. I've got high hopes for both of these young tight ends. And if you looked in Atlanta, Kyle Shanahan did a whole lot with not a, with not a very veteran group of tight ends. Uh, they got the kid from Stanford, Hooper, and then the other kid, I think it's Filoli or Filolo, who's also a, a blocking tight end. So I'm, I'm excited about that. And then the other part about, and I was talking to somebody else about this, one of the underrated parts of offensive, or just the running game, is the wide receiver blocking. And one of the things the 49ers had when they were really good that one year was with Bolden. Bolden was a good blocker. Michael Crabtree is a good blocker when he wants to be. And you picked up Garcon. And Pierre Garcon is in the Bolden mold, mold where he can block downfield. So I like it. I also like the one-cut scheme. I'm interested to see Carlos Hyde, Joe Williams. And, what, and the other interesting Hightower. thing is there's been a lot of reports coming out saying that Beat Hard is uh, going to take the, the second slot. I call him Beat Hard now. Who, the CJ? Yeah. The quarterback? Yeah. I, 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 I want to talk about your boy, Mac. Buckley. I read his name wrong, and I realized it, it's, it's phonetically could be Beat Hard. <laughs> what is up with your boy from USC, though, bro? Honest I don't know. I don't, I, you know, I, I can't. Give me the scouting report on him from college because I think he's garbage. It, it was just weird. It was like he was this elite, you know, high-end quarterback who could potentially be a Heisman, Heisman nominee. And then halfway through, because I was there when he yeah. was there, and then when, when Pete Carroll left and Lane Kiffin came in, it's like just seemed like everything fell off for him. Was his first game in Ohio State? You know, at on you, the road? Or yeah, yeah. In the horseshoe? Yeah, and he, I, won, I like and he won it. Him and Jimmy Clausen never, like they're the same yeah. guy to yeah, me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you know what I'm saying? Like the exact same guy. And like they never reached this well, he lost. Type. He lost a lot of money too because he decided to stay for his senior year and he ended up being like a fourth round pick when he would have been a first round pick. Yeah, I just don't think he's big enough. I don't think he's that good. Not that size means everything. Well, I just hear he looks like shit. Everyone <laughs> said he looks terrible. He didn't look that bad when I saw him play for the Bears a few games last he year. He outslung Colin Kaepernick yeah, in the snow. Yeah. He had great numbers in the snow. But I'm interested to see the kid from Iowa. Like the game is in two days. Beat hard. Tomorrow. Yeah, I'm interested to see this guy. Personally, I, I, I mean, an Iowa quarterback, but the argument can be made a Purdue quarterback and Drew Brees or Kyle Orton. So I don't know. We'll see. I mean, you, you, I'm good with it because, like I said to you, I would like to see them draft a quarterback every year until I they agree. have their guy. I don't know. Totally I'm not agree. saying every year needs to be a guy in the third round. You don't want Jeff Driscoll from Florida? Then he started on that. Oh, that was garbage. But I'm not saying he needs yeah. to be in the third round every year. Yeah. But until we have our guy, even when we have our guy, I, I'm all for yeah. continuing – you look at we talked about this. You look at the Patriots. You look at other teams. You look at how Kirk Cousins showed up with the Redskins. They should always be refueling that position. And what about the wide receivers? Because to me, that's the area where you're talking about Terrell Owens in the Hall of Fame. We're talking about Randy Moss, who was a 49er uh, in the Hall of Fame. We don't have Hall of Fame wide receivers, but Garcon is a damn good receiver. I feel like if there's anything Kyle Shanahan is great at, though, it's making good wide receivers look like they're great wide receivers. I, I, I agree. And So who's the guy you're looking for? Because to me, honestly, I know you brought up Taylor, and you, may, you might pick him. 
I think Goodwin is is set for a breakout year. Yeah, that's I was gonna say Goodwin. I mean, those yeah. Goodwin and Taylor are the two guys. That yeah, I think I, I'm just excited to see. You know, we we talked about actually being excited about this team. I'm yeah. excited to see an offense. But like, what part Ch- about like what is it? The fullback part? Is it the no? I'm excited to see the. Cri- the difference between last year's hire and this year's hire is I was excited for Chip Kelly yeah. because I felt like even in the Harbaugh years, yeah. it was a very stale offense. Yes. It was great because yes. we were that's dominant. Totally we fair critique. It was, it was, I was totally never going to complain because yeah. we were winning, yeah. and that's what mattered Agreed. most. But it's been since, what, like 97, 98, where I guess you could say there was, yeah, in the Owens, in the Owens-Garcia era, there was some, yeah, the there was last some, six like, minutes yeah. of every game. I would but, get frustrated yeah, the whole game, and but, then the last six minutes, Jeff Garcia would go But for the off. most part, it's been like a, a good part of 20 years since we've yes. really seen a high-flying 49ers offense, what they became known for, you know? They haven't and, had a 35-yard, a 3,500-yard passer. They've had two. Colin Kaepernick, one year. Jeff Garcia, 2003. 3,500 yards. Not 4,000, not 5,000. 3,500. So that's, that's what I'm excited to see is just what is Kyle Shanahan going to bring in terms of the offensive vibe? Because... I felt like we started to get excited with that Chip Kelly yeah. last year, just thinking of what he was at Oregon. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But it just there were so many things why it didn't materialize last yeah. year, and I, I really don't feel like it was all Chip Kelly's fault. No, I feel it was like, the perfect storm. Yeah, I, I was, feel like you know it was never going to work putting someone like Trent Baalke mm-hmm. and Chip Kelly together. Dude, your best player was Jeremy Curley. Yeah, I mean, you Jesus had, Christ, you had a terrible team. Yeah, you had a bunch of injuries. You had the Kaepernick situation, and I'm not even talking about just him taking the knee. I'm talking about the fact you had Blaine Gabbard as yes. your starting quarterback for the first six, seven games of the year. He was so. Bad. It was just he was. And it's Chip Kelly's fault, too, because he took the job. But he was set up to fail. There's so, no doubt. And the roster had holes everywhere. Everyone retired abruptly. You're, you're, no, that was the Tom Sula year. Well, I, but, but, but you're saying the holes weren't fixed. Yeah, yeah that's yeah, what I'm yeah, saying. Yeah, like, yeah. I mean, you're stuck with that. That's the bet that they made. I want to flip the page. I don't even want to talk about Chip Kelly. I want to talk about the defense. Yeah, I was well, – What do you think about the defense? defense? I was just going to say, do you still feel like there's, like, this chance that Patrick Willis ever comes back? It's interesting you say that because I've thought about that many times, but no, I don't think he. Comes I know back. it doesn't make as much sense anyways now. The no. fact, like with them drafting uh, Ruben Foster, Ruben Foster, but I don't know. I was thinking about it the other day, especially seeing him get. You know, how he got like gypped out of a bunch of money with yeah. like his, his business partner. Yeah, and Luke. I don't know. I me, mean, this is completely off topic. How do you but, how do you look at Patrick Willis? I mean, he's a Hall of Famer. To me, he is too. Like no, on the I know Ronnie Lott for everyone. I've got Patrick Willis higher than Ronnie Lott on my all-time 49ers defense. And the only reason I say that is because— Even without a ring? Yes, yes. Because I know he would have had rings if he had played on those 80s and 90s teams. He—I've talked about Bryant Young at nauseum, and he reminds me so much of Bryant Young. And, I, and not that Ronnie Lott isn't. I, he totally is. He's great. But for me personally, like, everything Patrick Willis stood for, class personified— he he changed the franchise yeah. into a winner as much as anyone. It's just it's interesting for me because I feel like with so many of these retirements, it's more players just needing a break yeah. and, and just needing to kind of like, like reload Marshawn. than like really being totally done. You see Marshawn, yeah. even someone who doesn't seem like they want to play at all, like Jay Cutler, and he's already back, right? Fucking Cutler. And even someone like Tony Robo, you're telling me if Dak Prescott goes down yeah, week eight and the Cowboys need a quarterback and they're seven and yeah. they're seven, seven and, and one, one. Yep, that yep. like Tony Robo's not coming totally. out of the booth. So it's just it's just interesting to be that. And maybe it was a perfect storm of him being over football with the injuries and then like the Harbaugh thing and the yeah. Niners going downhill. But I always just felt like I, I now I get it's kind of getting to that point where he's getting old. Yeah. But I just always felt like there'd be a time where we saw him emerge again. 
I just think too much time's passed. And the linebacker position, unlike maybe a wide receiver or a quarterback, like you, you, it's a young man's game to play that linebacker spot. Unless you're a Takeo Spikes type, where you just want to be a battering ram for fullbacks and stuff. I don't know if the league will allow you to be a a stuffing linebacker anymore. Like you have to be a ranging linebacker. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. the way the game's spread out. Like he, you have to have that athleticism. Even a Bowman, as great as we all, we all hold Bowman in such high. So esteem. what do you, what do you think we're going to see for Bowman this year? He's got, he's in. What in over the course of three years, mm-hmm. he's experienced probably the two worst injuries you could have as a player, a, a torn ACL with other other ligaments in his knee damage, and a torn Achilles. It's pretty much the, the two worst injuries you could have. Yeah, you know, I, I go back to Bryant Young, and I keep bringing him up because at the end of his career, he was by himself out there. He had more left in the tank toward the end than I think athletically, athletically, you know, physically than I think maybe Bowman has, but there, there's just something about that guy in that in that clubhouse, in that locker room, in those those film sessions. You got to keep the guy. Well, see, this is the other thing I was thinking. About. I don't it's, think he does a lot this year. I don't. I it, don't. It is unique, at though, least tangibly on the field. So, from an injuries per perspective, he's had two pretty bad injuries. Extremely gross, but grotesque. On the flip side, he's also he's also avoided quite a bit of contact on and wear and tear the body yeah. over the last two, three years. That's an interesting way so, to put it. So and you know, it's I'm not a doctor. I don't yeah. know, I don't know what you know which is yeah. more taxing, but you see all these guys break down from just all this constant mm. hitting and you start to Look wonder, Luke you, you know, like like the way that players do recover from ACLs and Achilles these days is completely different than a decade ago. Yes. But at at that position where athleticism is a premium You've got to be able to move laterally and, and, and juke. and There's a lot to it. There's one thing, bringing up well, Willis and, and, and Bowman. One thing that I thought that Fangio – Fangio was great. I'm not diluting Fangio at all. But there was one critique that I had that I would always say, they never blitzed Willis or Bowman enough. For me, for my liking, I think you should sick Bowman on quarterbacks. And I, that's – I want to see him rush the quarterback. I think he's got the hand moves – he had the devastating spin move. I don't think he'll still have that with the athleticism being decreased. But I'd like to see him maybe on the outside. You never know, though. The other the other thing that could help out Bowman again is he hasn't, you know, for three years hasn't had a linebacker with the potential of a Reuben Foster since Patrick Willis. Yeah, or the and, front. Yeah, or the front exactly, in front of him. Yeah. Like they've invested so much. I'm really interested to see this front four. I really am. Solomon Thomas, I really like. You, you know, I Buckner, I love. We'll see with Eric Armstead. I think he's a huge question mark. He has to prove it. He's got to stay healthy. There's a lot of things. I got to see if he's – can he bend himself in that stand-up position around the edge? I, I don't know. Aaron Lynch. What do we have with Aaron Lynch? Is he going to get a big deal? Is he going to be motivated, in shape, ready to rush the quarterback? Because when he flashes, he is a stud. This guy Mitchell they picked up from the Dolphins, I'm hearing he's a stud on the D-line. So – I think that the D-line is going to enable and eat up enough players to create space for Bowman and Reuben Foster. I'm predicting it now. You, I, you heard me say this the day of the draft, that I thought he was the best player in the draft. Reuben Foster will be the defensive rookie of the year, and I think he will set the tone for the entire team. And by year's end, he will be the outspoken on the field and in the locker room leader for this team. He is an outspoken guy. Bowman is a bring the lunch pail, don't talk about it, be about it guy. And I think Willis was that way as well because that's how Bryant Young was. But I think Reuben Foster is a different animal. And I think, and I don't mean that negatively. I mean, I just think he is so different and so unique and he chirps. 
And you know what? That swagger is what a defense needs, especially a defense that gave up a historic amount of yards last year. So I'm excited, man. I'm pumped for the Niners. We got the first game coming up tomorrow. Yes, yes. Against the Chiefs in Kansas City. Alex. Oof. You know what's funny? I was thinking about this. Do you remember the first hardball game, even the preseason one? No. They, they played New Orleans, and New Orleans, Sean Payton blitzed. Oh, I do remember that. Greg Williams defense. Yes. Yeah, and they got, like, blown. They got, they got yeah, killed. Yeah, 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 and yeah, they yeah. blitzed Alex, like, a thousand times in a row. And Harbaugh was furious with Sean Payton. And you look back at those Harbaugh-Sean Payton rivalry games, whether it was in the regular season or in the playoffs. I mean, that kind of set the tone for the entire Harbaugh era. So I'm, I'm, I'm really interested to see – and I know it's the first game. You're not going to see all the starters, blah, 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 blah. But Andy Reid is one of the best coaches in the league, and that defense is stout, whether they play their guys or not. I'm interested to see it. I, I, I'm, I'm very curious. And, you know, you get to see Marcus Peters, who you passed on, to take Eric Armstead. So that's another caveat. I mean, there's a lot of little caveats that I want to see. And then, you know, the Chiefs are a team. Maybe they're in need of a running back. Because we're hearing Carlos Hyde looks great, but I'm also hearing they're going to dangle him. So I think there's a lot of storylines coming into this game. What's your number one question on this defense? My number one question? I'm, I'm just really interested to see the secondary. Me too. Because we've Me talked too. about where we think the strengths are yeah. of the 49ers defense. We don't, I feel like it's not so much a weakness. We just don't, I feel like we, it's an unknown. Yeah. With the safeties, we don't know who can stay healthy. Yeah. With the corners, do we really know who's, who's defined themselves as the starters? I, I like Dante Johnson, I think. But, but let's, let's, he put, okay. let, let's stop that for a second. Rashard not not Robinson who do you like, good. but at this moment, who do you feel who like do I you, trust? You, you could Rashard trust? Rashard Robinson is a legitimate number two, number three corner. He's not a number one yet. He's got to prove it. He's a legitimate two or three in this league. I don't think they have a number one and, at all. You know, maybe if, if the D-line's really good, yeah, exactly. maybe they can survive with that. Exactly. Uh, that's that's just my quest that I want to, as the preseason goes on. That's a very good I question. just want to, it's something I'm going to pay attention to. Yeah. Because so I of, feel like I don't know right now. Of the three, Eric Reed, Tart, Jimmy Ward, who's the odd man out? <sighs> that's a good question. I mean, is it? I think it could be two of them. I think there's major question marks on Tart and Ward. And I know that Eric Reed has looked like shit in, in, in times. When you say I'm odd man out, though, we don't even know with Reed with his concussion history how long he can even make it. Totally agree. And, and he's supposed to play closer to the line this year, maybe more in that Buchanan hybrid linebacker safety role. I, I just don't see – I don't see one or even two, maybe two of these guys on this roster come this time next year. And those were high investments. Eric Reed, first round pick. Traded up to get him. Jimmy Ward, first round pick. Jimmy Ward, first round pick. A and pick that a second round pick. I'll never forget the players that are on this team or aren't on this team anymore that if it Harbaugh had his way, would have been Odell Beckham. And that was the bulky way. You know what? Forget the, the, the Odell Beckham. How about this one? You traded all those picks to get Alex Smith. Do you know who's left on the roster? You had like six picks, and they kept trading back and trading yeah. back. It's uh, what's his face is is Tank Carradine, who what's going on with Tank? Nothing. Yeah. And Carlos Hyde, all those picks, and that's the only thing that's left. Isn't that terrible? I think that was one of the final straws that broke that broke everything. I mean, Harbaugh and Balky obviously already had issues, but I I remember there were a lot of reports coming out that Harbaugh was pissed off because he was trying I to trade up for Odell. I have a name in my pocket. I have a name. And could you imagine if they had Odell Beckham? 
Because that guy, I mean, he makes whoever you have on the opposite end look good. And that's the that would have been Odell for for the uh, the last year of Harbaugh. You know when they needed for weapons. Kaepernick, yeah, yeah, for Kaepernick's development. All right, well, before we get out of here, I want to talk about one more thing. Yeah, we got to move. I want to go with LeBron James's midlife crisis mm-hmm. coinciding with Steph Curry having the greatest offseason of all time. So LeBron James continues to put out these workout videos with why, no shirt. Why on. does he keep doing that? Because he's having a midlife crisis. He's going bald. Okay, his he's having a divorce with is he Kyrie. having a divorce. Yeah, with Kyrie. Oh, I thought I yeah. heard things with the wife. I don't even care about him and his <laughs> wife. And, and but he's, he's he's obviously got an eight head, not a five head, not a four head. He's got an eight head. He's he's you can tell he's on the HGH. Just look at the dome. Just look at the dome. All right. And he keeps posting these workout videos. And on top of all that, he's subtweeting Kyrie through the social media, and then Kyrie's sending videos. I'm coming home. Coming home on an airplane. And then at the same time, Steph Curry has released a new shoe that actually looks good. Okay. He shot a 68 in the web.com, shot, or excuse me, 68 up in Tahoe, shot a 74 and a 74 in the web.com. On top of that, has had a huge successful trip to China, was on HBO's Ballers. Okay. And if we continue going, has having all these camps. Missed one three-pointer at Kizar last night. I think he was like 25 of 27 or 25, 26 or whatever it was. I just, I loved, again, going with the two trains. That video was incredible. Yeah, it was. It was phenomenal, actually. But the two trains going in opposite directions, it's LeBron James' career, Steph Curry's career. I'm telling you, man, midlife crisis for LeBron. Okay, before we get out of here. Yeah. I'm I'm in the Bay Area this weekend. Yes. Of course, we're going to do food with butcher. Yes, we wouldn't miss food with butcher. Yes, we never would miss that. So let's do let's do this. Not a specific food. Yes, but if I was to pick any place to go get food in the city. Yes, and my budget was twenty five dollars or less, uh-huh. but no drinks were included. Okay, where would you tell me to go? Put you on the spot like always. Twenty five dollars or less, where you would go. Not including drinks, including tax and tip if it's a sit down. Yeah, so for twenty five doesn't get you a whole lot these days. So I know, that's, that's why I make it tough on you. That is, that, that, that's a tough one. So I'm gonna go with, and I the only reason I say this is because I think with the culture, the neighborhood, like because you want the San Francisco experience, right? I mean, I'm I'm from here, but yeah, but that's what you're looking for, right? No, I'm just looking for something good. I would say La Taqueria. I would go to La Taqueria on on 25th and Mission. I'm serious. I have taken so many people there. It is the most authentic, best fucking Mexican food out there. People love the burritos. They love all the different things. That's what I would roll with. For, again, for 25 bucks, because you're only going to get one meal out of that. Like, you're not getting two people a meal, right? No, it's just for you. Yeah. Each, each person can spend up to 25 bucks. Again, you're in the mission. You get the culture. You get the diversity. You get the authenticity. Uh, you get to try to pretend to park, and that's part of the San Francisco experience, right? Uh, maybe you get a ticket, so that's the SFMTA experience. <laughs> you might see some gangbangers, but you get to see the murals and things like that and the mission. And then you got a little bit left over. You can walk over and, and go to one of the little hole-in-the-wall dive bars and get yourself a Corona. Boom. There's your, there's your little there thing. There we go. Yeah. Where, where would you go if you were going to recommend to somebody? Because I was going to say House of Prime Rib is probably my favorite – like authentic San Francisco meal, personally, just for me. I I'm just re-remembering places right now. Yeah, that's that, that's kind of my thing. I mean, I just went to uh, what what did I say it was called the New England. Uh, oh yeah, New England Lobster Company. 
That's where I just went from next to the airport. Yeah, really good. Really good. I had a good, had a real nice lobster roll. Yeah. There's a place. Bacon and pineapple on top. Bacon and pineapple. Bacon on anything is good these days. It was really good. There's a place called Bacon Bacon out in uh, Hate Street. Okay. And everything they make is incorporated with bacon. So they have like bacon cookies. They've got bacon this, bacon that. Yeah. I love how we always get on these tangents when we always. Bro, it's Stonerville, dude. And the guy who owns it's a great guy. Bacon Bacon. It's called Bacon Bacon. I think they have food trucks too, but they have a brick and mortar on like Broderick and Steiner. Broderick and something. Ashbury. All right. I got to go to La Taqueria and Bacon Bacon this weekend. For sure, dude. For sure. Go check those out. I'm trying to think if there's another. Like another San Francisco place that I would go to. All right, give people one place if they're out by the festival this weekend in Golden Gate Park where to go. Out near the festival? Mm Mm-hmm. Like, are you – okay, well, that's – The zoo, out by the – not the San Francisco zoo, but the zoo that is outside lands. I hate outside lands. Can I I be real with that? Mm -hmm. Like, for me, I'm an old fart now, so I don't go to those kind of things, and it fucks up traffic throughout the entire fucking city – so I, I'm not I'm not feeling it. But I'll tell you this. I'm selling a ton of food to all these different people that are doing pop-up stands out there. And the one spot I would go to at the outside lands, I'm dead serious. Yeah. Unbelievable sandwiches. And these guys, they know. I've told them they make killer, killer products. Check out Wise Sons Deli. It's like a Jewish-style deli. They do this pastrami. At the festival. I'm telling you right now, this freaking pastrami is screaming. Another spot I went to again today that I really, really like. Super Duper is like a local chain for burgers and stuff. They have this little spot called The Bird on New Montgomery, and they do fried chicken. It's to die for. I like the spicy, where like your right. lips are burning. That's. I think we got four recommendations in One Food with Butcher. Yeah, buddy. All right. Yeah. Well, we'll, we'll talk again after the first preseason game, and we'll go from there. Sounds it's good, It's football buddy. season. Yep. Enjoy San Francisco. Let's do this, baby.